0: On some level, we all know that health extends beyond the physical, and to feel well, we need more than pills and a diagnosis. Industrialized medicine is often unable to reach the roots beneath disease and empower us to create our own sense of health and well-being.
1: This is Dr. Domas and the Wounded Healer. My name is Ashley Palmer. And I'm Samuel Simonson. The system is useful for some things, but frankly, it is overrun with bullshit. The intention of this podcast is to explore other ways to approach life, health, and society at a time when change is inevitable and everywhere.
0: We may be dreamers,
1: but the the status quo sounds like like a status status no, no. man.
0: Today we're talking to Sandra Lee. She practices multiple healing modalities, including biofield tuning and MAP. If you never heard of these, you're not alone. I hadn't either.
1: I have personally seen Sandra Lee for Biofield Tuning and MAP, which stands for Make Anything Possible. When I stumbled across Sandra Lee, my intuition screamed, See her. And I'm so glad that I listened.
0: I think there's a lot of potentially useful information in this conversation. So without further ado, here's Sandra Lee.
2: So let me answer the question, okay? Okay. So why does everybody have limiting beliefs? Or why does everybody have this experience of not being able to be themselves? My experience of working with people is that a lot of times people don't even know who they are and how they feel, much less being able to ask for what they want, or being able to get what they want, or be the person they want to be in the world. They are so stuck. So, where does that come from? It comes from these experiences early in life. And my opinion is that this is an inherent part of being human. Mm. That there may be an occasional um, parent, you know, like mother, father, conscious parents Mm -hmm. who are able to have babies now and not have this happen. But those are really only the people who are conscious and aware and learning and growing choosing to do all the things to prevent this wound from the very beginning of life. And I call it the, the foundational separation wound. So you two are relatively young compared to older people like me, and I'm not even that old, okay? But even you two still had this experience of separation at birth. And there's this wound that is a foundational part of being human, again, up until the time where we are now, where young people like you have the possibility of having children who do not have this experience, okay? So you take this baby and they're inside their mother, completely surrounded, completely taken care of, all of their needs are being met without them having to ask for it. There is nothing that baby has to do to be able to get all of its needs met. Now, if mother is unhealthy mentally and emotionally and upset, then that baby is also going to have some trauma. But short of that, right? Look at two ideal parents, right? They're happy, they're healthy, they have everything they need, they have all the food they need, they have all the food that's perfect for the baby, they're not worried, they're not afraid. So two ideal parents, okay, and you take that baby and they come out and they are separated. They go from being one, everything is wonderful and it's warm and it's cozy. I have everything I need without asking for it. And then I am separated. That alone is a wound. And that wound becomes a foundation for everything that comes after that. All of my experience of life are built on top of being separate. I am not seen. I am not heard. I do not have what I need. Nobody hears me. I can't ask for what I don't even know who I am. I'm not Mm -hmm. connected. I'm alone. It's dangerous. All of those foundational experiences start at that moment of separation. So I think that's why it is so universal that people reach adulthood and they have these fears and these worries and these concerns. It's like, nobody sees me. I can't be myself. I can't have what I want. There's, how do I get enough? There's not enough money. There's not enough people. How do I find a partner? All of these things are because of that foundational wound.
3: Mm.
0: That makes a lot of sense. mm
2: mm-hmm.
0: So it's like the, the birth moment is like when that wound, like when you're actually separated from your mother. Yeah.
1: And so do you see this like when you're working with people? Like, do you see this, these birth wounds?
2: Um. Sometimes it constantly comes up and sometimes it doesn't. One of the things that I love about math I mean, in in biofield tuning, we work with it consciously. How much do you know, Sam? How much do you know about biofield tuning?
0: Not much at all. That was going to be my next question.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, let's talk about that first. And then we'll talk about it from a map perspective. So in biofield tuning, we're working with the biofield. So you have the body in the middle and you're familiar with the aura, Mm -hmm. right? The aura is the energy field. And you've seen it as being, looking like a torus. You know what a torus is?
0: Yeah, kind of like that. So it's like a a donut shape. Yeah. Yeah.
2: A donut shape, okay? So you have the body, and then you have this toroidal-shaped biofield, energy field, aura around it. So Mm. when we are doing biofilm tuning, is there a setting that I can turn on that it doesn't suppress the sound?
1: I... I think it will
2: not suppress the sound. Okay. So when I'm doing biofield tuning, I strike the tuning fork. Okay. And I come in from the side. If there's the body here and the biofield is here. Okay. Mm -hmm. When I come up to the edge of the biofield, that in biofield tuning, we think of as being the moment of conception.
0: So like the moment of birth?
2: Conception first.
0: Oh, I guess, okay? yeah. <laughs>
2: so at, at the edge of the biofield, you have conception, okay? Yeah. And then you have in utero all the things that happen before birth,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: then there's birth. So in that very beginning of the biofield, we're working with that whole period of time. So when doing biofield tuning, it's a natural part to, to address that and to address the shocks and the things that happen at that time.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And then we travel through the biofield and we get to current time when we get to the body. So when doing biofield tuning, we're actively working with this whole history, the timeline, okay? So since we're talking about this, let's finish talking about this. At the edge of the field, okay, you have conception. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Outside the field, you have what's inherited.
3: Mm.
2: so what did you get from your parents and then grandparents and however many generations farther back so when people have healing to do associated with what's inherited then the energy when I'm doing biofilm tuning will be going out instead of coming in which is kind of interesting okay mm-hmm. and then for people who believe in other lifetimes then I believe we're also working with those other lifetimes when we're working outside of the field.
0: Yeah. Okay. So when you're, I guess, encountering like say an inherited belief or something, what does that feel like? Like what is actually happening for you?
2: Well, so I'm pretty empathic Mm -hmm. and sometimes it just feels like there's like this intensity Mm -hmm. my stomach grabs or you know i i might get pain somewhere or you know shoulders or density or pressure um there's an emotional component to it so i might feel fear or stress or whatever um sometimes you know depending on how much i know about the person when when i get something It'll show me a connection between where I am or what we're working on and something that I know about from their life. Oh, you know, that happened when you were a child or that happened when you were in medical school and this is connected to that and all of these different things. So I personally see the connections and what's connected to what.
0: Hmm, That's really interesting. Yeah.
1: I didn't know about the, like, outside of the energy field that you're having um, inherited uh, the inherited generations. Like, does that, like, how long does it go on for? Is there, like, a edge of that?
2: I don't know what the truth is. As far as I'm concerned, there is no truth, right? And there is no time and space. So basically, anything we can think about we can say that there's some reality to it. So when I am working with these things that are inherited, sometimes, you know, in some modalities, we'll say, oh, you know, how many generations back does this go? And I was like, I don't bother to do that. I used to when I was doing emotion code and body code and stuff. Now it's like, okay. So I just say, go back to the first time when this dynamic was going on. However many generations back it is if we decide we want to muscle test it you know we might get a number but and so i i see it as being like a a string imagine there's a thread that connects ashley here now in her body and in her life back to you know whenever it was that this pattern started pressure to do things perfectly let's say okay because i know you (laughs) (laughs) when when was his first You know, all the way back, when was this perfectionism tendency? When was that? Okay. And so I imagine there's a a string going from here, Ashley, to whoever that first ancestor was. And I kind of visualize it like beads on a string. Mm. Every person along that pathway is on this string. And part of the way I work with this is okay so you know if you want to heal this imagine we take a big scissors and we Mm -hmm. cut it and allow that string to release and all the beads on the string imagine they all just roll away so all the souls who contributed to this pattern they are able to just go their separate ways and you know be free from this old limitation that's how i See it, but there's mm. so many different you know techniques and modalities that that work with these things in different ways. That's how I do it. Now, when it comes to um, to math, one of the things I love about math is we're working with the superconscious. Has Ashley told you about the superconscious?
0: Not really. No.
2: You want to know what the superconscious is?
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. Enlighten me.
2: So, so imagine. In MAP, we work with something called, by the way, it's make anything possible is what MAP stands for. So okay. imagine you have, um, you, you know, the, the image of an iceberg,
3: mm-hmm. right?
2: Where you have 10% of the iceberg is above the water and then 90% of the iceberg is down below the water. Okay. So when we talk about MAP, we think of having an iceberg that represents what we call your active experience. Your active experience in MAP is... All of the experiences, all of the memories that contribute to your current reality, your current truth, the state of your health, how you feel, the things that happen in life. It's all caused by, created by your memories, the things that happened in the past. Mm -hmm. And the active experience is what creates your experience now. So there's the part up at the top that's what you're conscious of.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And then there's a 90% below. That you're not conscious of, unconscious, subconscious. Okay, so in MAP, this is what we are working with. Okay, this is called your active experience. And oh, oh, so what's the superconscious? The superconscious is the part of you, and it's just part of you, that knows everything. Mm. Is knows what you need. It knows how you feel. It knows what caused what. It knows what the traumas are. It knows what you need to heal.
0: So it's like your higher self.
2: Yes. You can Super- say it's your higher self. In in MAP, we just call it your superconscious. Okay? Okay. So imagine your superconscious has a big picture. The superconscious knows everything. Mm-hmm. So we have the superconscious heal whatever it is relating to what Sam or Ashley is working on. So you decide when we're going into a session what you want to work on today. And then we're going to mm-hmm. ask superconscious, what's connected to that? What contributes to that? And the superconscious filters through everything that's ever happened, all of the stuff that's part of it. And it just says, okay, these things here are what contribute to this issue. And then we say, superconscious, treat that. Uh, and it's amazing because the supercon just does it, and it releases the charge and the trauma without having to slog around in the memories. So if you've ever, have you ever done counseling, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So one of the things counselors will commonly do is they'll have you go back to a memory and then relive it and think about it and slot, you know, yeah. mash around in it for a while.
0: Right? Yeah, I felt like I was always trying to create a story. around what had happened yeah
2: yeah so in MAP, we don't do that you don't have to go and slog around in the middle of it and experience it's like you just say okay so it's like what's the memory okay and sometimes might have you like you know run through the track of the memory and then just feel it you don't have to go and dig around in it and tell stories about it or whatever Mm. and so your superconscious knows what's connected to everything else and it knows what's caused everything else and it knows what you need to heal. And so we just say, superconscious, treat this
3: and let it do it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it sounds like kind of crazy to me on some level. Like, how does it, like, what happens? Like, what, do you perceive the super conscious healing or... Do you as the person having the work done?
2: I can only tell you what it's like the way I experience it. mm -hmm. Um, Other practitioners may have different experiences. Okay. So for me, because I'm empathic, I can feel the intensity of the energy. Mm. So it's like, it's like, we even mentioned what the top is. I was like, and it's like, there's just all of this energy, this tension, this it it just feels like there's all this stuff there okay Mm -hmm. and then when we get super conscious treat it sometimes it'll feel really intense and then it'll ease off Mm
3: -hmm.
2: so i can tell when the super conscious is working on something or when it's done i can you know in in map ashley knows this we work with i haven't shown ashley this chart but we work with this chart right and i'm using we call it muscle checking in in map. I'm used to calling it muscle testing. Okay. Mm. So I'm testing this chart. Right? What on this chart, I'm asking superconscious, what on this chart do we need to do to work on Sam's issue? Mm. And so your superconscious shows me through my muscle testing what on this chart is needing treatment.
3: Mm.
2: And so I'm just following the breadcrumbs of what your superconscious is laying before me to work on. And okay. Say, okay. So that, and sometimes when I get to it, it's like I can feel the intense, like, ooh, there's a lot there. Protector controller, for example, is a common. Ooh, are you a con- you know controlling person? Are you under controlled circumstances or need to control, do things right, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I can feel the energy of it. And then we asked superconscious to treat it. And I was like. And then it calms down. So it's like your tendency to. Want to have things in control. And to do things right. Protector controller kinds of energies. Those aren't going to completely go away. But. You can have more ease around it. Mm. Less compulsion. Around it. Feel more comfortable. You know it's like oh look there's my protector controller coming in feeling like I need to do it this way. Well, is that helping me right now? Not really. So it enables you to be able to make a choice Mm -hmm. rather than, oh, I have to do this because now I know my protector controller tends to want to control these things.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. It's like it creates enough space between, like that part of, like say that controlling part of me and my awareness, I guess, of it. So then it's not I'm not just caught in it immediately. It's more like, oh, that's that part, and can kind of see it from a distance.
2: Yes, that's well, how
0: I'm interpreting it. Like I've
2: I've talked with with Ashley about this before doing all of this healing work. Something comes along in my life and I get activated. I react to it. And until I learn all this stuff, I automatically react. Make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: When we do the healing, it's like I'm going along doing my thing and this gets activated. And it's like, oh, look, there's that. I'm doing that again. Well, step back. Do I want to do that again? Or do I want to do something different? So it's like doing the healing enables you to have that separation so that you have the ability to make a different choice. Being able to pause the reactivity Mm -hmm. and say, ooh, look, I've done this before. What am I going to do today? What am I going to do now? That is Mm -hmm. different than the way I did it before. And that's how people, you know, regain control of their lives by being able to take that pause, notice what's going on and then choose.
1: And when I saw you for map, what was brought up was something that I didn't even know was an issue for me. Like, I didn't, I was like, I don't know how this is applicable to my life at all. But then it, there ended up being just so much there. And it was related to healthcare and, like, how much I had taken on and with, like, working in healthcare. And, yeah, after the MAP session, like, I felt so much lighter. Like, I didn't even realize I was, like, holding all of this stuff. Like, it, it was, it was a really profound experience.
2: Anytime something happens that you are not able to fully experience communicate about if you need to communicate about it and then let it go like to be able to have the experience and integrate it and then finish it anytime you don't get that it's trauma Mm -hmm. and if the only way you have in the moment to deal with that is to store it. Then you get this buildup of all of this unfinished business, all of this unfinished energy and all of the emotional stuff associated with it. It loads into your body. It loads mm-hmm. into your energy field. So when Ashley and I did her first map session, we had already done several biofit tuning sessions and it had helped her I'm just going to say doing the biofilm tuning sessions helped you be able to make it through medical school. Mm -hmm. Then I found MAP, which is even more effective at helping to clear this stuff out. So we had that session, the first session, and like Ashley just unloaded tons of stuff that like you just said, you didn't even know was there. Because your survival mechanisms had said, oh, to get through this, I need to stuff that. I need to stuff that. I need to stuff that. I need to stuff that over and over and over again to the point where you had a massive amount of stuff that you would jammed into your energy field and into your body.
0: So that unloading, process like when did you become aware of what all you had unloaded
1: immediate immediately okay like, immediately but then then like the days following I just had more energy things were happening it just I, I felt totally able to engage with like stressful situations like I just felt like I was like able to move through my life with like less weight and I, I didn't realize I was carrying the weight
3: yeah wow
1: I didn't realize what the weight was related to either
0: and so this was the super conscious that guided you to see that a lot of this weight was stuff she'd accumulated by doing like working in healthcare.
2: It came, it came up as we were doing it. Mm. So, and it also completely makes sense.
0: It does. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so
2: Ashley being, you know, a sensitive, caring, you know, emotional person putting you into the environment, you know, I would not have been able to do that. Just saying, I would not have been able to do that, yeah, but she, but she did. Yeah. And it's extraordinary that she did, that you did. Um, and so once we came into the session and we started working on, I felt, Oh my, there is so much stuff in here. And as we were going through, you know, testing and, and coming up with the different blocks. So some of the blocks in here are, you know, broken agreements. How many broken agreements are going on in healthcare? Unfiltered oh. communication. How much <laughs> unfiltered communication? Yeah. She, she was talking about the experience of, you know, being a resident in the emergency room and not able to say what she was seeing, you know, and then, um, you know, unaligned intentions so many intentions that are not matched with like Mm. reality with what really is best for people. So it's like just releasing all of the stuff that for years, Ashley poured into her storage system to be able to survive that process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Like a day, in the merge would accumulate quite a bit, let alone years.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. And so, you know, the message that you two are putting out there, I think one of the messages you two are putting out there is, hey, look at this system we've got. It's kind of screwy. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> We need to do something about this because this is crazy broken. And she's got the experience to be able to say, hey, this, you know, we need to reform this process. I mean, I don't know if this is true for all people who go into healthcare, you know, into medical school. But my assumption is that I'm going to say 90% of those people are doing it because they want to help people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They want to help people heal. There might be a small number of people who are doing it for power or for money or whatever, but really at the bottom, I'm going to say most of those people are doing it because they care and they want to help people heal. Mm -hmm. And then you put them into that mess and you know, you make it so they can't survive because the part of you that wants to be someone who helps people heal is sensitive and emotional and feeling and aware, but that person gets like smashed. In yeah. Environment.
0: Yeah, that's, that's very true or resonates with me as truth. It's like one of the traumas of the training is that you become or you start probably telling yourself on some level that you're invincible or you're strong or you're able to overcome like so much, you're able to do so much, when that blocks off your ability to even help people in that kind of way. Yeah. So it's an it's a
2: important message that you two are helping to put out into the world. Because really, we need the healthcare system. We need it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But no it, one's denying that.
2: Yeah. But it needs to be, it needs to be changed, fundamentally changed. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. What, um, what led you to doing the work that you do because you also you have a background in science and so right you so you must
2: have yeah so i have a bachelor's in chemistry from the california institute of technology so i started in science and i graduated from caltech and i moved to berkeley california and Got a clerical job just because I needed to get a job. But I also started studying acupressure and Reiki and doing healing kinds of stuff. And, you know, I'm in my early 20s at this point. And I had to come to terms with, well, you know, there's left brain logical. Like I learned this stuff in school. And Mm -hmm. then there's like energetic and right brain and healing stuff. And they don't really match and so i had to come to terms with that early and be able to well you know what even though i can't prove what a meridian is and how do i prove what reiki does right it was like clearly it works it does something so the logical part is just going to have to like be okay with that and so to be able to live with both sides of that um early was a real benefit to me, and then doing massage therapy for thirty years now. I've been doing massage for over thirty years. Um, being able to help people understand what's going on in their bodies, what's going on when you eat this, you know, why do you need salt? You know, all of these different scientific things you could say. I help people understand them from the perspective of things they can relate to. So, using imagery, using stories to help people take something that maybe they might not understand and help them be able to understand it to the point where it makes sense to them and they can actually apply it to their life. Hmm. Do you know um, if there's much
1: for like science or research on biofield tuning? I feel like there's
2: some, definitely. Eileen McKusick is the creator of biofield tuning and she and the biofield tuning Institute, I'm thinking it's called, I'm not sure about the name. Um, They um, have a variety of different trials going on. So yes, they are doing work to scientifically validate um, some of those things. I'm not involved in the research. But yes, Um, I have also studied some work with John Stuart Reed, who studies cymatics, and sound, and how it impacts water and, um, and, you know, he looks at sound and healing um, and, and looking at some studies. So there is some, some scientific validation of the impact of sound on, um, on the body, on the ability of people to, to heal. So that, yeah. you know, there are just papers and studies and things that have been done showing the beneficial effect of various different sound therapies on on people's ability to have freedom and heal and, you know, reduce stress and all that kind of stuff. So there's some of that.
0: So the biofield is sound or light. Like what is the actual, what is it made of? Do we know this?
2: It's made of. So if you think of the biofield, right. At the edge of the biofield there is a membrane that's made of plasma so Mm. it's made of it's made of of charges positive and negative charges that, that travel around the biofield so um every every organism has this this plasma membrane around it and you know everything is just plasma. So it's energy and it's, you know, sound and light and all of those things together. One of the things I learned from John Stewart Reed is that when you have light, there's always sound that precedes it.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So sound is first, then light. So if you think about the um, creation stories, first there was the word Mm -hmm. and then there was light.
0: Yeah, this is true. It does say that Yeah,
2: sound precedes light. So anytime you think about um, seeing light, there's always sound before it might not be able to hear it, but there's sound first. And anytime, anytime we're thinking, right, there's both sound and light going on. So yes. Yeah, sa- sa- and you know, I, I call sound is, you know, a foundational creative force. This is why when you say something, it matters. Your words create
3: hmm.
0: So it's important to be intentional with your
2: words. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, that's, you know, w- when we were talking, you know, way at the beginning about how a lot of people aren't conscious of, you know, what they feel what they want, and they're just kind of blathering, whatever. They're not, they're not conscious. They're not paying attention. They're not paying attention to their words. So, you know, you two might have experienced this, you know, me working with people for ever doing body work. A lot of times people say bad things about their body. Mm -hmm. I hate my, you know, I don't like this. Right. And they're saying bad things about themselves. Not realizing that by saying those things, they're creating them. They're reinforcing them. They're reinforcing the negative experience that they have by continually speaking about it. Continually thinking about it. Having feelings and emotions about it. Mm -hmm. The words are just the, the outward expression of the thoughts and the feelings. So when you help people be aware of their thoughts and feelings. And then start to make conscious choices about what I do and I say, then you have the ability to start redirecting where people's lives going.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: So that process of building awareness, um, like biofield tuning helps with that? Or like, how do you bring that into someone's, I guess, more conscious brain or reality?
2: Well, there's the way I do it. And then there's the way other practitioners do it. So mm-hmm. in when teaching people how to do biofilm tuning, they're very clear that you don't have to be intuitive. I am very intuitive, but some biofilm tuning practitioners are not. Mm. Or they don't start out that way and they maybe develop a stronger sense of intuition. But it's not required to be able, you know, you don't have to be intuitive to be able to do biofield tuning. Mm. So, but when I do biofield tuning, you know, when I strike the tuning fork, I just get like downloads of information. It just, it just comes. So striking the tuning fork and and biofield tuning in particular, just like dramatically increased the amount of intuitive information that I received. And I look at it that it's not mine. Mm-hmm. It's for you. If I'm working with you, the information I receive is is for you. That your consciousness, your beingness says it would be beneficial for you to have this information, but you're too close to yourself to be able to see it. So it tells me so I can tell you.
1: I remember the first time I think it was the first time that I saw you for biofield tuning, I we were working on concussion symptoms for me. And you didn't know any of my health history. And right away, you said, like, what's wrong with your ankle like your right ankle feels like a child's ankle. <laughs> and this is like this over zoom. And then, uh, you know, I broke my ankle when I was like 12. The first time I broke my growth plate, I broke my growth plate and my ankle twice, like so many injuries to my right ankle. And like, you just picked up on it right away. It was, it was mind blowing to me.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, so what Ashley is talking about is I see where the energy moves and where it doesn't move. and so as i was starting to work with bioflat tuning and getting the energy flowing from from the earth through her body so it was like it was stuck in the ankle and so it's like you know what's going on with your right foot your right ankle yes and when i'm doing bioflat tuning it also shows me what we're working on and it's connected to that i don't remember what we were you know what we were focusing on is as, as her intention but it's like oh this ankle thing is going to be affecting that. So it showed me the connection. Yeah.
1: Another thing I remember you telling me is that, well, in the to get energy to the hands, it has to go through the neck. So if you're having problems with your hands or arms, it means that there's a problem upstream, like probably in the neck. And I had carpal tunnel at the time, which I don't think I told you either, but I had carpal tunnels to the t- at the time to the point where I was waking up at night, like shaking my hand. And then you said that there was something blockage in my neck and you know also in like western medicine we know that carpal tunnel is like associated with hypothyroidism which is like like problem in in the neck um it's where the thyroid is so you know that's upstream to the hand anyway my carpal tunnel completely went away after the biofield tuning session also so it's yeah really like shows the flow of energy but that's it's not something that, you know, is a part of Western medicine, like the, the flow of energy in the body, but it's so obviously.
0: It's so obviously important. It,
1: yeah. It makes a difference.
2: You know, part of the issue with the medical system is that they went down the um, Newtonian cause and effect, everything is a machine pathway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have to pull everything apart and understand it all isolated pieces leading to a medical model where you see one doctor for you know digestion one doctor for endocrine one doctor for your brain one doctor for your spine and they can't talk to each other
0: yeah Which it's very limited
2: <laughs> you and i know this is like this doesn't make any sense like we are a whole complex system and one thing affects Everything. So, you know, and this is part of why we have a system that led to, you know, Ashley's experience in medical school. Now, Sam, have you gone to medical school?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're, we've both done the, the thing.
2: Okay. So, did you do the whole thing like she did?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I did so- my residency in a different place. Um, I think mine was a lot less service based, um, meaning I didn't have to work as hard. At all, so I, I think I accumulated maybe less um, in the residency part of it, or uh, that's not. I wasn't pushed to the same level. I'm I guess push. Yeah, obviously you are in in the system, but not not on the same to the same degree.
1: Yeah. yeah, we were roommates in medical school. Okay.
2: Yeah. So you both understand what I'm talking about, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, but when you talk to a conventional medical doctor, this whole thing about energy coming from the earth and through your body and out the top of your head and coming through your body and out your head, so it's like, you know, they're, they're going to tell me I'm a quack. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. The, this is, I mean, cause we're both conventional medical doctors and this is something we've run up against a lot. Yeah.
1: I remember overhearing emergency doctors talking about how stupid it is that people think that Reiki and things like distance healing can work because they're not touching. And then I was just thinking like, nothing's touching. Like
0: it's just. That's a level. Yes. Yeah. Like nothing's touching
2: ever. Uh, uh, Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, then you tell us, so I like, map, and you can work on this stuff with your super conscious and you can actually change things. It's like, yeah, right. Oh, well, I do change things. Mm. <laughs> yeah.
0: I guess, like, why do you think there's such a resistance to this kind of work?
2: There are some people in medical practice who are not resistant to it.
0: Yeah. They
2: that's are true. open. They are, you know, the functional medicine type of people, or the people who are going to become naturopaths, or, you know, the people who were wounded by the system, just like you two were. Mm-hmm. But they <laughs> they got through it because they wanted what was on the other side. Okay, so fortunately, we do have functional medicine practitioners who are still in the system, and they're the ones that are going to be helping to redirect where that system goes. I mean, you know, looking at things now compared to even 10 years ago, there is so much more available in the medical system that wasn't there before. So it's changing, but it's, you know, it's, it's slow Mm -hmm. because of, you know, well, and, you know, to address your question, you know, why do these practitioners resist? You know, part of it is, you know what? I put so much into this. I have to stay in this place because my livelihood my reputation, my power, my relationships, everything I've got is built on this system, this perspective. I can't change that. Yeah. that That's what part of it is. Okay. Then you have some that just like, don't believe there's anything possible. That's what they taught me. You know, it's all facts, it's all measurable, it's all testable. There, I I think there are actually some people who believe that if it's not testable, it's not visible, it's not obvious, it's not measurable, then it doesn't Mm. exist.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: More and more, the medical practitioners are becoming more conscious and aware and realizing that there is something else possible. And it's just a question of, you know, basically the old people dying and retiring and the newer people bringing in the new messages, but there's, you know, there's more, more of them. They're, they're changing the direction. It just, you know, it, it's so slow. Mm-hmm. And there are some educational programs that do teach a new way. Unfortunately, you don't really have access to them until you you've already finished medical school and all that stuff. Why do we have to wound people so much first? It'd be nice if we like reprogrammed the whole way we do this (laughs) Mm -hmm. to, yes, give them that information, but also give them the other information. That's where I think ultimately we need to go.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you that the the wounding seems unnecessary. Or or the wounding of, of medical school
2: itself. Yes. Uh, To the extent that it happened. Yes. And I think part of why that is still going on is because the people at the top are invested in the system as it is. And there's power and there's control and there's money. Mm -hmm. And, well, you know, let's look at this. Okay, so my belief about the medical system is they don't actually want people to be healthy. They are invested in people being sick. They are the invested in. Yeah. Yes. They are invested in people eating like terrible food mm-hmm. that is bad for them. They are not invested in people being smart and making conscious choices and being responsible for themselves.
0: No, so, that doesn't make them any money. That, no, it
2: doesn't. Yeah. yeah. So that's also part of why the whole system is as stuck as it is. It, you know, ultimately, it gets down to power and money.
0: hmm. And that, like, seems it must come from some sort of collective trauma that all humans went through at some point in time here.
2: Well, you know, to get back to what we started, right? It's like I'm separate. I'm not good enough. I have to prove myself in the world. You know, it's on that foundational birth separation trauma.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And if I, you know, if, if I take me and I have this birth separation trauma, and then I have two parents who also have birth separation trauma, and they have their share of, I'm not good enough. I have to prove myself. All of this stuff that the parents have, and they feed that every moment to the baby. So the baby grows up with this set of stuff. So you just get this this forever replicating model of all these people being screwed up, not knowing who they are, not knowing what on, not knowing how to speak for themselves. And then we put ourselves into professions.
0: Yeah, based on all that conditioning.
2: All that conditioning.
0: Yeah. So I guess for people who want to start to get a deeper sense of who they are or, you know, where do you recommend starting? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, so many options, right? Yeah. So, um, And
0: obviously it's not one thing, but it's just, you know, a starting point. So
2: really, wherever the person is drawn to start, Mm. wherever the person is drawn to start and start being aware of themselves, how they feel, what they want, notice, oh, you know, what is it that keeps me from asking for what I want? people have to start having that conversation. And if they're not willing to start having that conversation, then they're going to stay in the same place they are. But wherever that person starts, some people go to counseling. Some, you know, some people, I I don't know that people are going to get to biofilm tuning and MAP first. I don't usually work with people who are like, you know, totally stuck and bound up. Mm. It takes a little bit for them to get to the point where they're ready for me. They have to mm. be a little more open. Because tell you the truth, what I do is kind of weird, right? Mm-hmm. But if somebody is completely stuck and bound up and a family member or a friend says, hey, I think you would really benefit from this. If they're open to it, then, you know, I'm happy to work with them where they are. Just kind of depends on what somebody is ready for.
1: What, what kind of, like, results have you seen with people that you've seen?
2: Well, so one was you just having this big offload of stuff, feeling lighter, more free. Um, the most intense person I have um, was a victim of childhood sexual abuse for a really long time. Lots of trauma in many different ways. And as an adult, she was in pain. Um, She really wasn't able to have a job. Um, You know, she puts it that she was just waiting to die and wished it was soon. And she's completely changing. It's like offloading all of that all of that trauma, all of that belief systems, all the suppression, you know, when I first started working with her with just tuning, you know, she didn't realize that she couldn't complete a thought
3: hmm.
2: until she started being able to Whoa, like, what was that? Thoughts. She didn't realize the extent to which she was not able to think clearly until with tuning, we helped her to be able to clear that. Now that we've been doing MAP, it's like, she is just shedding off stuff and finding so much more freedom. Her brain works better. She's got she's starting to feel, you know, respect for herself. Mm-hmm. She was able to spend time at a holiday gathering with a bunch of people, which she hadn't been able to do before. You know, pain is less. Ability to do things, it's like, you know, she's just everything is changing. So um there are people whose Pain or symptoms just go away. Um, for me personally, you know, one of the things that I've just noticed, like just this week, um, is places where I have things that I tell myself I should do, and I haven't been doing them, and I know that it's it's you know it's limiting beliefs mm-hmm. or you know um being so busy that i don't allow myself to to go for a walk in the morning i've been telling myself for years i should go walk every morning but i wasn't doing it and in a map session just like last week i was receiving map from another another person and like took care of what was keeping me from going out and walking the next day out walking every day since at walking so it's like looking at habits things Mm -hmm. that i want to do tell myself i should do but i haven't been doing in in a similar vein you know what i'm behind in my bookkeeping and i tell myself i should work on the booking but i don't want to do it so Mm -hmm. i did a map session focusing on i've been avoiding doing the bookkeeping so after that it's like whoop Two hours on the bookkeeping, right away. It's like clearing out whatever it is that's keeping me stuck where I am. Whatever that might look like. Map is so effective at doing that. Another thing that often happens, and, you know, harkening back to when we first started this conversation, people who don't know how they feel, who don't know what they want, aren't, aren't speaking up for themselves. So... One example of this was one of my clients and, um, I asked her how she felt and she didn't know. And what came out was, you know, her relationship with her husband was strained and like, she wasn't talking, she wasn't speaking up for herself with her husband. She wasn't speaking up for herself with her boss. So helped her be clear. I was like, oh, well, look at this, what's going on. And who are you? What do you want? She's starting to know what she wants. And then suddenly her relationship with her husband is going better. They're getting along better. They're enjoying time together more because she's actually talking with him. And she started talking with her boss. Her boss gave her a bonus and time off that she didn't ask for. She didn't have to ask because she had opened up the communication between her and the boss by expressing herself, asking for what she needs. Those are the kinds of things that, you know, that happen. The person who I was just working with today um, has an issue with weight. We worked on like the timeline of her memories and she feels so much better. much free so much you know so much less judgment about herself so much more freedom to be herself so we can work on anything personal relationship business because it's all on the foundation of how do i feel about myself and my ability to make what i want to happen in the world
0: that's brilliant
2: Mm, super powerful
0: mm-hmm. yeah um, I guess on the flip side, it sounds like this is always positive, and like you're guided to work with things in a positive way, but is there ever any times where it doesn't go in a positive direction or just I don't know th- things need to be reevaluated? Well,
2: it depends on what you mean by positive, so. Whatever, however stuck somebody is the only really negative result would be if nothing happened mm. if they they might still be really stuck feeling really negative or whatever but if something is changing if they're starting to notice different things then that's making progress. Mm
3: -hmm. They might
2: still be really stuck. But it's like, oh, I look at it differently. Oh, I realize differently. Oh, I'm choosing to be more aware. That's change. They might still feel like, you know, this is really stuck. But am I making progress Mm -hmm. with it? Is something shifting? Is something moving in a different direction? And when it comes to Things like symptoms. I look at symptoms as my body and my beingness trying to get me to pay attention to something.
0: Yeah, I'm, so I'm with you on be that. Being
2: aware of something. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if I am not aware, then whatever it takes to get me aware, sometimes that looks like an increase in symptoms which um, in one respect might look at something being worse. Mm-hmm. But really, what am I doing is stirring things up. Okay, Ashley may have heard me talk about this. You know, imagine I have this big, huge pot and there's liquid in the pot, okay? Up at the top of the water are all the things that I know about and I'm working on. I'm conscious of and I'm working on them, okay? Then down farther in the pot, you have things that I know about, but I'm not working on them. And at the bottom, there can be all this stuff that I don't even know it's down there. Or it's, I buried it so much that it's like whew, way down on the bottom. Okay. So anytime you do something where you're healing something, it's like taking a big wooden spoon and stirring the pot. And all the stuff at the bottom, whoop starts coming up to the top. I was like, what's that? I didn't know that was there. I thought I healed that a long time ago. And it's moving all this stuff up from the bottom that I've not been working on. and brings it into my awareness so that I start being able to actually heal the things that are not conscious. So the process of doing that sometimes can look like Increased symptoms. So having healing responses or detoxification responses or whatever comes about, I believe, from taking stuff I have not been paying attention to and making it active.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Mm -hmm. Will it typically settle then? Like the symptoms, if they're increasing or is how do you kind of deal with that?
2: I would say that really depends. How conscious is the person? Are they intending to work on things and clarify things? Or some people just bury it again. Mm -hmm. If somebody's pattern is, whoa, I can't deal with that. And they bury it again. They squash it. They choose not to be aware, not to do anything about it just pretend it's not there, then you're going back to the same reason why it's in there in the first place. They stuffed it. It was not safe to be able to be aware of that, deal with that. So take, for example, my, my client who I said, you know, um, was a victim of childhood sexual abuse. You know, for little children, they don't have the, the, the space or the freedom or the ability or the understanding to be able to take these things that happen and, and express themselves and then release it. They don't have that that ability, that capacity. So the only way they have to do it is to stuff it. And if at some point we become conscious and we have support, you know, you really can't do this all on your own. This client of mine, mm-hmm. you know, she would not be capable of doing it on her own. And she hadn't even actually been able to find a therapist who could handle working with her. She was so intense. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Okay. So it takes having somebody else to be there to hold the space for you, to be able to start exploring these things and pulling the stuff out of there and healing it. This is why MAP is so powerful. One of the reasons MAP Mm -hmm. is so powerful is it doesn't activate all this stuff and traumatize you. You know, doing therapy sometimes can be very traumatizing for people because you go in and you dig all that stuff up and then somehow MAP was designed to be able to help people bring stuff up slowly and then clear it away, bring it up without causing this whole flooding and, you know, upset that can Mm
3: -hmm.
0: happen. Yeah, because it seems like it's a process of like holding that safe space outside of that person until they can bring it into themselves and really know that they're safe inside themselves.
1: Yeah. Okay. And the body must have some way of knowing how to clear trauma with this, when there's the support. Like if it's just Just, just innately. Yeah. There's must be some innate intelligence.
0: Well, when you think about it, like if something all of a sudden lunges at you, you respond, like your body just does that. You don't think about it. Mm -hmm. It just happens.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Or the body can, if you get a sliver, the body can push that out.
2: Yes. When when given what it needs, it can take care of itself. Mm -hmm. We are inherently healing organisms. Mm -hmm. It's when all the interference comes in that the healing doesn't take place where, you know, food, the environment, the toxicity, you know, suppresses the natural ability to function in that healing way. So mm-hmm. by removing the blocks, then the healing naturally occurs.
0: Makes a ton of sense.
2: Mm-hmm. So, I am energetically providing the support that helps that whole process take place.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I guess that process of like you're working in the energy and that connects into the body. Like I guess that takes time to be working out in the energetic systems before it shows up as improvement. Well, I guess with you your symptoms went away My almost immediately. Went
1: away immediately.
0: Yeah.
2: It depends on the person. It depends on the person, right? Ashley is inherently, um, you know, a healthy mentally, emotionally, and physically person. Mm -hmm. And she consciously works with herself. So given the right opportunity without the pressure of school and residency any longer, right. With the intention, Oh, you know, I want to heal myself with a little bit of assistance, she was able to, ooh, look at that, don't need that, ooh, look at that, don't need that, and let it all go.
3: Yeah, okay? yeah. For,
2: for people like my, my other client, the one I was telling you about, it's a much, mm-hmm. um, it's a much more complicated process because she hasn't previously had the right support to be able to do the healing. So it's just, you know, layers at a time. In that first session, Ashley released massive amounts of stuff, massive amounts of stuff. I was shocked at how much we released in one session, but she's capable of doing that. So my other client, it's it's like supercontent, leaves us in a much slower, more gradual process, layers of the onion at a time, as opposed to taking a big, huge shovel and just like shoving stuff out, which is what Ashley is doing. Like, you know, imagine, you know, it's like you have a dump truck and just like, (laughs) <laughs> Just clearing <clears throat> my stuff. So for most people, for most people, it's much more gradual than that.
1: So Yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So I guess one more question, like the clearing of so much stuff, is it ever um, too ungrounding or uh, like can it ever destabilize or unground someone?
2: Well, so here is where we trust that the superconscious knows what you need. Yeah. When the superconscious says, hmm, this is enough for today. So, you know, when when working with people, um, something starts off and we rate it highly on a scale of zero to 10 on how intense it is. And then we work with some and it's like, Okay. It feels like that's a good place to stop.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You're going to continue to process this, but there's this perceived pressure to get to, to zero. For example, mm-hmm. if I rate something on a scale of zero to ten, and it starts at an eight, there's this, you know, natural um, wish to get it all the way down to zero. It's like let, yeah. me, let me just 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 zero it.
3: Yeah. Like, done, yeah. done,
2: done. But it's like, no, we don't work that way. And it's like, okay, let's get it from from eight and it's like uh, ooh, five. Okay, let you hang out at five for a little bit and experience what it's like being then have it bubble up and all this awareness and stuff happens, and then next week we'll see where you are and we'll take you to another level. So, it's like this is the super conscious guidance. -hmm. And this is me being tuned in enough. It's like feels like that's enough.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So So what?
0: I I guess so. At some point, like people shouldn't need to see you anymore. They're they're done. They've like done the everything. I guess has been rebalanced. Like they shouldn't need to continue to see you. Is this how it works?
2: In theory. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, there are some people who I see and I don't see them, you know, I don't see them after their, their initial package of sessions is done. Um, and we just trust that mm-hmm. other people it's like, Oh, you know, feels like I need some more. So one of, one of my other people, you know, she, she had, um, again, you know, childhood trauma. Um, and we did lots of work in the beginning tons of biofilm tuning and just helped her make a huge amount of progress and then she feels like okay you know, you know i'm good here and then she'll always you know so this is like several months down the road or whatever so it's like oh you know i need some more biofilm tuning or i need some more map and so she'll just you know we'll do another you know rapid sessions over the course of several weeks and then it's like okay i'm in a good place and then so this was like and then whoop, she pulls up some more it's like up oh, another layer so it's just like,
0: and I, I guess life is continually stressful. <laughs> We're vulnerable at our baseline. So that makes sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And on top of, you know, what's coming in daily life, there's the well of all of the stuff that I have. And I can mm-hmm. only work with so much of what's in the pot at one time. Right. So it's like, okay, this is what I'm going to work on. I'm gonna work on this batch. And then over the course of several sessions, we work on that batch, and then it's like, oh, you know, feels like I'm good. And then they coast for a little while. And then it's like, oh, I got some more. Right? Years ago, this was when I was a massage therapist down in Washington. I had one client and I would see her every three weeks. And we mostly actually talked. I didn't, she didn't really want or need so much hands-on body work, but we mostly talked. And every time for like three days before her appointment, she would pull up something and she'd get all upset and agitated and she'd come into her appointment. We'd talk, we'd work it all out. And she'd go out and she'd coast. And then three days before her appointment, it's like pull up something to work on. And like, she would coast. So her being this new, Oh, we're going to go see Sandra. Let's find something to work on. And it would dig something up. She'd come in all oh, agitated and then, go back out and be herself and enjoy her life. And then, oh, time to pull up some more stuff. So that's your super conscious, knowing what you need. Oh, Mm. I'm going, and this happens all the time. You know, it's like, I still see a few massage clients down in Washington. And, oh, this is a good time to go clean the barn. I don't know if it's conscious or not, but I'm going to be seeing them in a week. If I hurt myself cleaning the barn. Oh, <laughs> you going to come and help me. All the time. All the time that happens. Uh, because your consciousness knows. Oh, good time to find something to work on.
0: Yeah. Has some foresight.
2: Yes. And so we can just trust. That there is this higher self. This over. Overarching big picture part of you that knows what you need and to get you into the right situations to get what you need. Hmm.
1: Super powerful. And you have a, a deal going on right now, or there's mm-hmm. something that you wanted to talk about? Yes.
2: So, right now, I have a special package of five map sessions at um, at a reduced cost right now. Mm-hmm. And so um, then I have available um, a try one map session for an even more reduced price, just to see if you try it, if you see if you like it. And then once you've tried it, if you want the rest of the package, you can get the rest of the package. So I'm not going to tell you what the cost of the pack is right now because after a certain number of people get it, that price is going to change. Um, mm. But the one session to try it out is only $47. 47 US. And then if people want the rest of the package, then they can get the rest of the package.
1: So, so I will, give,
2: I will give, um, give you guys the link where people can go to get that. And I might as well tell you, I also have um, a document called the Power Pause: Breathe Your Way to Inner Peace. So it's a document that helps you be able to manage your stress by being conscious about your breathing. And so I'll, I'll give you the link to the Power Pause for that too.
0: Sure.
1: Awesome, yeah, we'll link those in the description. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah. That is illuminating. <laughs>
2: We just had a like explore everything kind of conversation. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Thanks so much for talking to us.
2: Yeah. Well, and thank you for being people who are up to reforming the way we work with health. I mean, I've been, you know, a healthcare provider for over 30 years and the system is screwy. (laughs) <laughs> and I, you know and that's me not having been like here's some word i'm gonna use crazy enough to go to medical school because mm-hmm. i knew i would not survive that i i would not i would not make it through that experience i don't know how you did it so um you know like i appreciate you for having been able to do that um but you know i've known for a long time that that system is like
1: We need some help, guys. Thanks so much for listening. That was Sandra Lee. If you're interested in connecting with her, her information will be in the description.
0: And we'll be back next week. See you then.
1: If you want to further support this podcast, we also have a Patreon. You can find the link for that in the description.